Hey everybody, Ken here. I just wanted to warn you in advance, we had some audio quality problems on this episode because of the internet connection between where Craig was on the road and where I was recording here at the house. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. Hey there, are you looking to take your family life to the next level? One where you're in charge and free to set your own hours? You've come to the right place. Each and every week, we share the highs, lows, ups, and downs as we grow our businesses from zero to hero. Welcome to the Nights and Weekends Podcast with Craig Hewitt and Ken Wallace. Test, 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 test. Test, 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 test. Testicles, testicles. Test, 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 test. Hey, I don't have my headphones on. All right, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm in a hotel though, so I don't. I'll uh, I don't know. You gonna turn? You can keep your video on if it, unless it screws stuff up. I uh, the only reason I have it on is I wanted to show you something. Yeah. Can you see that? I can see that. All right. So I uh, I've been working on. <laughs> first, hey Craig, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> I uh, I am really stoked. I was kind of fucking around with how I can, uh, you know, do these pricing tiers. I've been threatening to up, up the pricing, you know? And, uh, and then I, I got into the technical meat of it. I'm like, well, there's a lot of ways I can accomplish that. So anyway, good thing I started with Typeform because in here, Typeform, let me unspend this tab. I don't know if you've ever logged into Typeform, but it's no, uh-uh. pretty snazzy. So these are all the different forms I got going. And so here's like the form builder. And so here's like my, my normal, you know, questionnaire onboarding questionnaire. And it's like, it's a hoss, right? Jesus. There's 25 different levels there. And there's some logic splits Mm -hmm. where if, you know, you can see these jumps, whatever, like, let me just click into the page that collects the money. Um, your investment today is normally just hard coded to 49 bucks. And I was like, shit, do I have to have a, you know, do I have to duplicate this form for every single level? Because that also means on the back end, I have to duplicate the process I have for reading this API. Then here's, mm-hmm. here's the data I get from the API, right? It's just all this JavaScript. Yeah. And so I have to actually write code that consumes that. And that sucks. And it takes a couple hours of my time. <clears throat> but then I notice here, looking in the documentation, where I set the price, I can set it as a, as a base price, but there are these variables here for mm-hmm. price. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so at different levels of the questionnaire, for instance, I say, how would you describe yourself? There's a little calculator icon. Nice. I, I click that. If the user answers beginner, then add $0 to the sum of the variable price. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. If the answer is established, I can add 50 bucks. That's awesome. So that becomes 99 bucks. Further, if they're in there, they're based at 99 bucks, and then based on revenue, I can further split it. Yeah. So I thought that was just like... That's awesome. <clears throat> I know I have uh, been hot and cold on Typeform before, but this just saved me so much time. And then so as I was doing it, I was looking at the tiers I have. I'm like, well, if you're making more than two and a half million a month, um, maybe 499 is too cheap. So anyway, I tossed a couple extra levels in there. Yeah. So I'm going to charge these guys $1,000 if they're making more than a million a month. And I've never had anybody sign up that's making more than five mil a month. But if they do, they're going to see a $4,500 fee. And um, then I will um, bow and scrape and do whatever the hell they ask me to do. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. So anyway, click save. And it is like, anyway, it works as you might imagine it works. Yeah. So uh, I am uh, pretty stoked about that progress. And uh, it's only taken me two days longer than I thought it was going to. That's awesome. So anyway, I won't run through the form for you, but uh, I tested it out at every level. It just fucking works and it doesn't that's great it doesn't screw up my api calls too much it just inserts instead of 49 dollars that the person paid it inserts it it's first of all it sends it to stripe validates the card and then it tells me how much they paid and at what level they paid mm-hmm. i might uh i might implement something like that i'm gonna look at uh like some variable pricing stuff mm-hmm. um so i might implement something like that i didn't i didn't realize that Typeform does all that. So yeah. I knew they could calculate score, but I didn't realize they could add and subtract from a price like that. Pretty cool, Typeform. Pretty cool. That is cool. And what does Typeform cost you a month? 50 bucks? 
twenty dollars. Yeah, that's awesome. Normally, it's for just Joe Schmoes. Let's see. I think it's twenty. I'm getting a little cheaper because a couple people clicked on my referral um, link. Yeah. And signed up themselves. So let's see. What's the pricing? Truth in advertising for the pro. You can do. You can use it for free, by the way. Yeah. It doesn't do. I needed it to do something. Not before. Yeah, I can't use the logic jumps or the view pricing. Do, 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 do. 240 a year. Or oh, wait, let's go for monthly pricing. 25 a month or 240 a year. Yeah, that's not so, bad. That's not bad. And then I pay, they gave me a $3 discount, so I pay 17 bucks a month. Yeah, it's not bad. Nice. So, anyway, that's what's new, man. That's awesome, man. So I'm deep into that, um, and then I'm actually, as we speak, working on the the, the landing page for um, telling people up front what the price is going to be. There's been a m bunch of modifications I've been working on in here for that, but uh, anyway, I've got my tiers laid out here, and I've got to flesh out the details. This is just kind of default form fields I've got here. Yeah. So anyway, that's Thrive Themes I'm using for that, and it's good enough, and... Yeah. Now, is this a you? Did you make this landing page yourself, or is this a? Uh... No, I made this myself. Yeah. Uh, I started out with um, just a blank page, and I started yeah. adding elements to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the original landing page I had was from ClickFunnels. Right. And so the top portion of this page, the first three sections here, I modeled after ClickFunnels, and then everything after that is brand new. Mm-hmm money back guarantee i'm going to make that more prominent i'm going to add kind of a short sales letter in here too just to give yeah. them a little bit instead of having an about me page which is i don't know if it's necessary yet um i'm going to put just a short couple maybe two or three paragraphs that was some feedback i got from some people and then um some social proof i've got some good testimonials from people that i can throw in there yeah and uh so anyway it's awesome man so I'm, I'm making progress i feel feel good about that finally have the headspace clear from family shit and stuff to just really work on that. Yeah. So what's up with you? Man, just kind of knee deep in, uh, I don't know, just getting, getting all my, my new priorities set, you know, it's, I shouldn't say it like that. It's not a bunch of new priorities. Just, just trying to manage multiple things now is, is cool, but it's, you know, it's a lot. And I, I knew it'd be a lot and it'll be fine in a couple months when I'm, you know, flying solo, but, um, yeah. or you know without a day job but uh yeah for now it's it's a, a fair amount of work you know managing managing the two site the two new sites um migrating them to wordpress which i found a really great uh tool so i'm going to wp engine and um they recommend a migration service called fantastic okay fantastic and um dude they're awesome they're they're just totally awesome. I mean, it's like for the base migration, it's this much, which is like totally reasonable. And then my sites have uh, like business listings, which is where we make most of our money. Yeah. Um, and they're like, yeah, to set it up, we'll use um, Dave's business directory plugin uh, to allow people to create their own usernames and create listings, and has maps integrations and all this kind of stuff. Lets them list shit on right on their business listing page and everything and then has forums so we're going to install BuddyPress and all this kind of stuff it's going to be like two grand to migrate all of the shit from both sites and all the users and posts and pages and forums and business listings and all this kind of stuff yeah set up set up both sites like amazing i mean just that's nothing man really if, it's and, nothing i was yeah. looking at like five grand to update to the newest drupal um and they're going to have to write a bunch of code. Because this is what I found. is Drupal is super powerful, right? Yeah. Super powerful. Um, like if I was going to go kind of jerry-rig a web app within a CMS, I would probably use Drupal because you can just... It has... It's like when WordPress brought custom post types like to the forefront. Yes. It's like that for everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, it's it's great, but I'm going to be glad to be in WordPress because I can do a lot of stuff on my own. Um, so, and really start to optimize stuff on the sites. I mean, they're just so poorly optimized. It's amazing. Um, so it'll be cool. That is, that's pretty cool, man. 
Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's nice to have a little, I don't want to say a little project because they're big projects, but it's cool to have a project and finally get my head around kind of where they are really and what that means and, you know, where they can go and what's, what the first steps are to be there. So, you know, sign up for MailChimp and sign up for Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and for both sites because they didn't even have Facebook page or they had Facebook pages for both sites, but only Twitter for one. And I was like, this is, but you know, all this kind of stuff. And so Amanda's doing a lot of this kind of stuff too. She's reaching out to some people that are writing blogs in, you know, in the travel spaces and seeing if they want to guest post and gotten some good traction there already and stuff. So it's cool that she's engaged too. Hey, if you need somebody to write a guest post on uh, Caribbean travel, uh, let me know. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's your niche or not, but uh, my wife and I—that's that's our thing. That's your thing. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good thing. We're, when we're not popping out babies or adopting puppies, that's that's pretty much what we. How's the puppy, by the way? Dude, she's like uh, almost tripled in size. Yeah, I don't know what we're happens. feeding this thing, but it uh, happens. Yeah, when we got her, she was half the size of our cat, and it's a it's a good sized cat, right? We've got like a nine pound cat, like he's f- uh-huh. he's fucking huge for cats. And she was about half his size, and now she's bigger than him and chasing him around, and he's pissed. So, um, yeah, that's happening. Yeah, she's almost big enough she can knock down my son. So uh, we got to keep an eye on her. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> but nice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. She's uh, she can do like three different commands. She can. She can uh, walk on the leash. She can sit and lay down and and uh, shake and you know, pretty smart dog. That's awesome. That's awesome. But How old is she now? Uh, let's see. She's born October second, so just over three okay. months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but she still, you know, gets up three every three or four hours in the middle of the night and has to go uh, outside. And there's the uh, occasional accident. You know, yeah. we've got, you know, those, I've been to a job site and it says how many days since the last accident. <laughs> so we've got a board up on a whiteboard. It's like how many days to the last puppy accident. And, uh, That's awesome. we're, we're kind of, we've never put a number higher than one on there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So it'll get better. That's awesome. Or she'll be wearing diapers. Right. Or she'll be at the pound. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so, uh, so what do you think of your year? Yeah. Um, let's look back at this year. Am I going first? Sure. Your interview. Let's talk about 2015. So 2015 has been kind of a roller coaster for me, right? So, uh, I know we've documented it all on the podcast, but, um, just a quick review, um, kind of shuffled around business ideas, worked on a few things, killed a few things. And then accidentally stumbled into this business. Like, really? Just kind of, um, I was just trying to help out and add some uh, value to people attending a conference, right? And it didn't, I had no intention of this becoming a thing. Um, and then it became a thing, and it's kind of consumed my world. For, for good or bad, I'm looking back on it, and um, I'm kind of seeing some lessons I should have seen along the way, but um, it's kind of tough when you're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing I would do differently is, um, charge money more quickly. Right. Um, and really evaluate, um, if the business idea is in alignment with my goals and my values, right? Mm. What do you mean? Okay. Well, first of all, in alignment with my goals, we have short-term and long-term goals as a family here. Um, things we like to do, you know, just things that we hold dear. Like I just said, you know, we love Caribbean travel and we, there's certain things that we see ourselves doing. And, um, that's kind of a long-term thing though, right? In, in the short term, there are realities of a mortgage and kids that have to go to school and, um, an ex-husband that has to see his daughters and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we can do what you're doing and pack up and move to Europe for nine months and then, you know, travel around. Um, we can't do it Brechted and just put everybody in an airstream and travel the country. We've got some, we've got some real anchors here. Um, and the, the house really isn't the foremost of, cause you know, you can sell a house, right? Yeah. But yeah. The, the, there are other things that hold us here. Um, so while I'm here, you know, I, as we stated at the beginning of this, you know, journey of this podcast when we first started is my goal is to um, build a side business that will replace my day job income and and allow me uh, to to have time freedom to really work on whatever that thing is. You know, the thing I I I, I use my at bat on, and so I really need to think about is this business idea something that furthers the short term goal of 
freeing me from the day job, right? Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so that's really the the. I mean the 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 goals for the yourself and the family are important too. But do they supersede escaping the day job? Yeah, I mean it's like you got to do you got to do step by step, right? It's yeah. really easy to say, well, you know, I want to do this business because it's not the forever business, or um, I don't want to do this business because it doesn't make me fifty grand right out of the gate, right? You know, right. per month. But on the other hand. Does it get me close enough that I can um, break free of the day job uh, mm-hmm. and then use this as a step to get to the next thing? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and with so, so little free time, because of the family and because of the day job, um, I don't know that I have time to do the real stair-step approach. You know, I, I don't really have time to be monkeying around with an ebook or two here and there and, and then a niche site that sells beach towels and then, you know, whatever the, the next step for me would be. Right. Um, so I really have to narrow it down to maybe one or two stair-steps that gets me to the big thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, taking the stairs, but I'm taking them in threes, you know? Right, right. Um, yep. and, and so, in hindsight, I think I spent a little too much time on... Um, the minutia of, you know, just kind of navel gazing of how I felt masterminds should be and the f- philosophy behind what makes a good mastermind. And I really should have gotten down to customer interviews. What can I add to this service that will um, motivate customers to pay me the money I need to make this business worth it for me? To make it a real business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, in the long play, if I just was free to work on this for the next five or six years and just toil, I'm sure it'd eventually get someplace that would be helpful. But the timeline I'm looking at is a lot shorter than that. Right. You know, and and Rob Walling said this in one of his microconf talks that he kept adding things to drip until he could justify charging what he needed to charge to make it worth his while to think about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't thinking that way from the beginning. So in hindsight, I wish I had done that sooner. I'm really in that headspace now, but in hindsight, um, I did a lot of things that were just kind of running in place with this. Um, you know, if I have a business idea that's going to take a significant amount of development time, for example, I need to ask myself, do I have the time to, to do all the programming myself? For me, I know the answer is no, but if I was a single guy, you know, living in an apartment somewhere, maybe, maybe the answer mm-hmm. is yes. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, the, the question then is, well, do I feel like I can spare the money to pay a developer to do, you know, to fulfill my vision, to get the customers what it is they said they would pay for? And if the answer again is no, then I got to let that business idea go and move on to the next thing that better fits my available resources, right? Yeah. So the resources you have in, uh, available at any time are your liquid cash and your, your I guess, liquid time, right? The time that you can freely devote. And if I don't have enough time to work um, or money to, to, to stay above threshold on the business idea, then the business just won't work for me. Whether or not it's a good business and whether or not customers find value for it, it just may not be the thing for me. Um, so I didn't ask those hard questions, really. I just kind of fell ass first into this after microconf, and I just kept grooving on it because um it felt good to be working on something you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so it was kind of like a kind of like a drug it was really good to be intensely thinking about something where i wasn't really being honest with myself about it through the whole journey um and now you think you're i know you're you're looking at some different pricing models and strategies to increase revenue you feel like you're really kind of putting the the business model to the test to 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 tell you whether it's gonna flip or fly and be that thing that gets you out of the day job yeah or or, or you know one of them at least mm-hmm. i yeah. think i do so i'm moving I agree. you know i i don't think i've said the pricing tiers on here so I'll just very quickly i'm moving the pricing to the beginners anybody's pre-revenue pre-launch will be 49 bucks so that's that's right where we are today i, I didn't move backwards on that um the next tier I call starters, and that's anybody making a dollar up to ten thousand per month. Um, I'm going to test these tiers, by the way. So I'm throwing out revenue tiers. This is going to be divided on revenue tiers. I'm going to test it. If they f- feel too wide, I'm going to narrow them, and if they feel too narrow, I might wide them up later. Mm-hmm. Um, so starters are one to ten k. Professionals are ten k to hundred k. That's kind of a wide jump, but um, I'd spend a lot of time thinking through 
what business owners are going through at those revenue levels. And there's still some commonalities between a guy making 95K a month and a guy making, you know, 12K a month um, that they can help each other out without being like strangers in the meeting. Yeah. Um, but again, I can adjust later. And that, that tier will be 199 And then the elite tier will be everything over 100K a month. Um, and that's uh, that's 499 Um and I should say starting at four ninety nine because if you, you know, if you're over a million dollars, then then I start adding to the price. So how are you going to? Uh, oh, what do I want to say? Get get feedback on price other than people signing up for services. I mean, how are you going to? You said if it, it feels too wide, how are you going to measure that? Only reason I ask is I'm looking at doing some different pricing things too. Right. So I just watched a YouTube video and I tweeted it out and I'll put the link in the show notes. Brian Harris um, talked about the, the video fruit guy mm-hmm. talked about how he was looking at his latest launch results. And um, earlier in the year, he saw that over 50% of the people were buying his top package. He had two packages um, and something like 43% bought the lower package and, and, and the rest bought the upper package. And he said what he's learned in all of his launches is is if more than 20% of people buy your top tier, uh, you're either priced too low or you don't have enough tiers. Mm. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what he did was then he added a third tier, right? Um, and then still what happened then, the same number of people uh, in the second launch bought the package. Yeah. But the same number of people bought the lower tier. But what happened is the the 50% or so that bought the upper tier, the 57% that bought the upper tier, now we're split in two, where two-thirds bought the middle tier and one-third bought the upper tier. So yeah. at 30% buying the upper tier, he thought, that's still too many. So then he added a fourth tier on top of that. That was a really ultra premium, some time with him, take him out to lunch, whatever. Right, right, um, right. And at just what he thought was a ridiculous price. And again, and then he tested again and see what the response was. Mm-hmm. Um, admittedly that only works if you're getting more than one or two signups a week. Right. So my, my plan, um, and, and tell me what you think about this. My plan is set the pricing tiers to what I think is logical based on the results to date, and then drive as much traffic to this damn thing as I can get. So I'm going to max out the free traffic sources. I'm going to hit the Facebook and Twitter ads. Um, and then I'm going to do some, uh, LinkedIn things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long are you planning to run those, uh, to validate the new pricing models? You know what I'm saying? Like how, how long are you going to give it until you say, yeah, they're good or they're too high or running um, money, running ads to it isn't working or. Yeah. Well, um, so the ads and everything is going to start in January. Uh-huh. So if depends on, you know, I really got to, I can't give you an answer on that right now until I see what kind of traffic ads yield, you know, to my thing. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's an equation based on how much money I'm willing to throw at an ad source, right. At, you know, whether it be ad roll or Twitter or Facebook or, you know, whatever. Also another variable is, you know, how many people in the demographics I target come to my site, what I'm seeing is a conversion rate. If suddenly I go from, you know, this week I had five signups, which is pretty cool, but it's not near enough, right? But mm-hmm. if I go from five signups a week to 25 signups a week, now I can sit back and start looking at what did they sign up for. But if I go right. from five signups a week to six signups a week, I got to let this thing go a little longer. And then I know I'm not, I haven't honed in my audience yet. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I said before my drop dead for this is microconf, right? So if by the time, um, April rolls around and, you know, we're getting ready to get on the plane to go to microconf and traffic is still hovering around three to, you know, less than 10 signups a week. Um, it may be time to reevaluate my assumption that I can drive traffic to this, that Mm -hmm. people, people are interested in this and people are interested in paying for this. There's a, there's a lot of great places to get into a free mastermind. Um, so maybe um, this isn't worth it enough to people to pay for it. And that's fine. I, I'll just have to move on at that point, right? Yeah. If it's not something I can figure out how to drive traffic to, then what's the point? Um, and at that point also, it doesn't matter what the tiers are, right? Because people just aren't signing up. Right. Uh, paid traffic is not bad, though. I mean, your app being reliant on paid traffic is not a bad deal, I don't think. Um, I agree. Uh, J- um, Jason Cohen... Uh, gave a talk two microcoms ago about what he called the cash machine. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a repeatable way to, you know, if I can pay a dollar to get a person to come to my site 
and then they sign up for a plan and the lifetime value of that customer is more than a dollar, then we call that a cash machine. So plug in $10, plug in $100, plug in all the money in your pocket because you'll make money, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, as long as your costs don't increase linearly, um, then you'll be making money. So if you can guarantee that with every $10 I spend on ads, um, I get a customer for, you know, at least $50, and this is a one-time thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should put $100 into it. Maybe I should put yeah. $1,000 into it um, and then retest at every price point because maybe at, at 1000 I'm not making any more sales at that point. It's right. a tremendous right. waste of money. So um, anyway, so you'll have to check out. Uh, do you listen to the Art of Paid Traffic, Rick Mulready's podcast? I don't. Shoot yeah. me the link to that. I will. I will definitely give that a listen. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, he was on uh, Zero to Scale uh, two months, three months ago, maybe. Okay. Um, and yeah, very good paid acquisition guy. Uh, I listen to it now, and it's. Um, I, I don't run ads to Podcast Motor regularly. Uh, we did run some ads, some Facebook ads for our giveaway, okay. and it really helped. Um, and we can talk more about strategies specific to that. But um, I'll be when we launch our course in January. I'll be uh, running a fair number of ads to it because um, I think that's a good thing to run ads to. Is like your like your app where you can convert somebody. The first time they visit, um, I, I think that's a good thing for ads. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't think Facebook ads is good for podcast motor. Um, it's just not the. You're not going to have somebody say, "Oh, oh yeah, I need to spend six hundred dollars a month for my podcast on Facebook." You know, it's just not, I don't think it's the kind of thing. But yeah, so well, like a course or a one-time purchase or you know whatever, I think uh, is a pretty good, a pretty good way to use paid acquisition yeah i'm looking forward to trying some retargeting with facebook mm-hmm. so people that you know get to my landing page and they're like yeah maybe just right not right now right and they go back to their facebook feed they're seeing the pictures of the neighbor's dog and you know they see my ad in the, the right hand sidebar yeah you know and maybe after 10 times of seeing that ad they click on it you know? do you have the pixel installed already no yeah no, it's it take you thirty eight seconds to do it. Yeah. It's great. It's great because then you'll you'll have all your retargeting data for whatever another yep. month. You know, have not even begun on that. So yes, yeah. I need yeah. to get there. It's very cool. It's very cool. You know, I think Facebook ads. I think LinkedIn ads could work really well. Uh, I hear some people talking really good about LinkedIn ads. Um, and then I don't think Twitter ads. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody talking really good about Twitter ads. Um, I know Mike Tabor did some Twitter ads. Um, I don't know how much success he had with it. Right. But, um, well, that's exciting. Yeah, I, I love the concept of paid acquisition. I mean, for our email list even, we, we just had such low pay-per-click. Um, it was just amazing, like seven cents or something. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you assume everyone who clicks that signs up on your email list, and if you retain a third of them, that's... You know, so it's twenty cents, twenty-five cents a lead. Then, um, that's pretty good. But yeah, and there's all sorts of variables. I mean, it's it's pay per conversion, or it's pay per uh, per click, or per impression, or you know, all these goals. I mean, there's eight million things you can set up, and Facebook is infinitely customizable uh, with who you target, their demographics, their behaviors. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Cool. It's cool. fantastic. So speaking of that, though, the uh, the guys from AdRoll, uh, I talked to them this week. Um, they they sent me a cold email a couple weeks ago, I guess. Talked to them this week. And yeah, it sounds like AdRoll is like a, a a paid acquisition dashboard service, dashboard slash service that kind of distributes your ad content over social media and AdWords and all these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if I was if I was going to go spend a bunch of money on paid acquisition, I would look hard at them. Cause it sounds like they got their their act together and have a lot of those best practices in place. Yeah, I have their. Um, I signed up for an account. I have their getting started tutorial open in the mm-hmm. tab here, mm-hmm. and um, but I just haven't had the time to get into it yet. But that yeah, they're on my radar. Yeah, and they do a certain amount for free. They'll manage a certain amount for free, I think. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, it's a, a percentage of what you spend, I think. Um, 
Cool. So yeah, we're we're looking at doing some different things with pricing. Oh no, that's a, that's not the, that's not what we're talking about today. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's get to the uh, your your recap of twenty. My year. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, just to, to wrap up what you were saying, I think that you're right on, man. I, mean, I think that that for a period of time you were kind of in the weeds on on you know what a mastermind should be and building an app for it and everything uh, ahead of really validating it. And I think at this point you're you're seeing more revenue um, to to show you that it. It has a ton of potential. I think you have some some avenues you're just starting to explore, and those could be, you know, big revenue generators for you. But really, putting the pricing model to work is going to tell you a lot. I think, and I think you'll be successful um, with it. And I think that you know, perceived value is is an interesting thing. When you start charging a lot of money for something, people really start feeling like they're getting a lot out of it. So it's just kind of a funny thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man. I mean, you know, similarly, I, we, you know, kind of flailed around with a couple things at the beginning of the year, um, and you know, really, Podcast Motor is, I think, turned out to be a really solid business. Uh, you know, here in December, I mean, I, we, I think we got within a couple hundred dollars of doing ten thousand dollars in revenue last month. Um, Congrats. Yeah, which is cool, which is cool. And, and we're really just starting to hit the point where um, we're, you know, so it's like it's a linear scaling thing to a point, and now we're scaling beyond that uh, right. in terms of increasing profit margin, which is a cool thing to see because, you, know, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, we had brought Becky on, our kind of full-time employee, as our producer and, and started having that fixed cost that was pretty sizable. Um and all the variable costs of our editors and our writers, and, and it started to be like eating into our profit margin a little bit. Now we've added some more customers, and got to the point where we can say, "Yeah, we're we're pretty profitable on a per customer basis now." Um, and kind of making me say, "We could really turn the screws to uh, paid acquisition and manual outreach and all these sorts of things um, to to you know double or triple our our volume." Uh, even more, which would be cool. I mean, the, the, the tough thing about that would be finding some of the human resources um, to allow us to do that work. It would be tough, but I think we've we've had to find those people enough times now to where we could do it. Um, I think the team still has 30% to grow with the people we have, which is cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I have to be happy with Podcast Motor. I wish it was a little more profitable. Um, and, and talking about you know, kind of beginning with the end in mind and our goals and all these sorts of things, it um, it scales very linearly even now, um, which is fine. And, and I think the best part is that at this point, it really doesn't require much of my work on a daily basis, um, which is great. And, and I'm very f- fortunate for the team. Um, and all the work they've done. And I feel like I've done a fair amount of work to get us to this point. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, really scaling up. And so we have some plans next year. I, what we're finding really is that people who already have a show rarely are changing up their format uh, of how they produce a show uh, to to use somebody like us. You know, right. so they've already got their their plan and their strategy and everything in place. So what we'll have to do to to get new customers aside from just the organic kind of traffic and interest we get is um is really start doing outreach to what would be like competitive shows to existing shows i guess you know so like you made the analogy before like there's uh you know, like some of these uh, adventure, ultimate, uh, you know, adventure races. And so, like, you know, what's the other adventure race out there that doesn't have a podcast already? Or, like, some of these people, and it seems like in the, in the, I don't want to say guru space, but, like, motivational people, a lot of them have podcasts. Which of them don't have podcasts? And kind of reach out to them and say, hey, you know, in our experience, we've worked with these types of people, and they've seen XYZ, and a podcast allows you to do ABC and all these sorts of things. Um, I think, I think that is a good way for us to get customers because it's not, you know, hey, I know you do it like this right now, but you could do it with us over here, and it's blah 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 blah. It's also a lot more perceived value for us to say, look, do you want to start a podcast? Yeah, okay. We charge 
a three hundred dollar setup fee and whatever our monthly fee is going forward, and we can just do everything for you. You just turn the microphone on. Um, that's a lot of value as opposed to somebody saying, "I figured out how to do it the first time." Now I just want to hand it to you guys. Right. Um, and, right. and those people tend to be a little more hands-on, um, which, I mean, as you know, in a service business, hands-on is challenging. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, can I interrupt you for a second? The, yeah. The, uh, the Rambling. Go ahead. No, well, the audio quality. Uh, I think our internet connection is kind of flaky. I think we need to pause and then um, let me call you back. See if we get a better connection. Okay. All right? Yeah. Well, hold on one second. How's that? Oh, that's so much better. That's amazing. I didn't I didn't turn off any apps on my computer, nothing. That's so weird. It was, yeah, it was, okay. So I could still hear you, but it was just really staticky. Every time every time you started talking, there's just static surrounding your voice. Hmm. Um, weird, so it's huh? better now? Oh, way better now. Um, so, yeah, I think that finding people uh, that are in the right position and mind frame and everything to start a new show... Uh, is is the place we need to focus. I, I think asking people to convert over from their current setup or their current audio guy or vendor or service or do it themselves is a little bit tougher of a thing. Um, 90% of our customers are, yeah, I recorded three episodes and now I have no idea what to do or, hey, I'm a whatever and I want to start a podcast. Um, well, you know, Can you just do it? Uh, and those are just... I know the conversation. I know the people. The value proposition is very clear, um, and so we'll start doing. And it's easy. I mean, you, so we'll, what I think in my head, what we're going to do is just look at like new and noteworthy, uh, and then say, okay, you know, this is a niche. Adventure racing is a niche. There's, you know, all these types of adventure races. There's only one that has a podcast. Go out, reach out to their five. Maybe one of them is a hit, and those are pretty warm leads. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of the growth that we're looking at. But I mean, w- having the having the day to day business really in place there is is great, and it's the only way that we'll be able to grow like that. And then you know, in February, at the end of February, me having the time and the mental capacity to really do that work um, is going to be huge too. So when exactly does the move take place? So I'm planning on my last day of work being the end of February. Okay. Um, and we'll spend you know the month of March uh, just kind of traveling and uh, you know visiting family uh, you know in Orlando and uh, in Destin, which is where uh, Amanda's mom lives, and then going to Microconf in the first of April, and then we'll go to uh, we'll go to Europe the middle of April until. You know, we'll be there about six months. Cool. So until until Halloween, give or take. All right. Um. So yeah. Sweet man. Um. Boy, I'm hoping to report some big things by Microconf. Heck yeah, man! I I think. Yeah, I think you know I I heard it on uh, Bootstrap with kids. You know, people are kind of already citing Microconf as like a a do or die time for for some things. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, the last year, MicroConf was my date to kill uh, my personal finance app. It was like, if I don't mm-hmm. have something ready to demo by MicroConf, I'm going to just, I, I got to move on. Yeah. And so I didn't, and I, you know, I did, and I moved on. Um, yeah, and for a lot of people, that's the stake in the ground. That's like, you know, I want to be able to, you know, as I'm holding a whiskey standing in the courtyard, um, you know, after mm-hmm. the, the night's events are over, I, I, I need to be able to talk about something that I'm really, really confident about. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, microconf is always the stake. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I also got the. Uh, I don't know if your wife's coming to microconf, but I got the wife a uh, a better half ticket, and so hopefully she can make it. I'm not sure yet, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I did not. Um, yeah, I did not. Just because she went last, she went in Europe and liked it, but it's not really her cup of tea. Yeah. And that's cool too. She doesn't really care for Vegas. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm not. I can't say that I really enjoy Vegas, but uh, yeah, I enjoy the um, the conference tremendously. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so what for for 2015? What you know? Do you have any regrets? What would you change if you could? If you had a DeLorean and Doc showed up and you know said right. get in, <laughs> what would you change? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think overall I have to say I really like the productized service model. I think it allows you it allows you a good entrance into into a field uh and it allows you to wake to make money right away. Um even if the margins aren't great, and then it allows you to step into uh an associated product pretty easily. You know, so we're going to do the course in January. And I mean, we have a lot of domain authority, and we have a decent sized email list, which we'll keep. You know, we keep growing. Um, and I feel like I feel comfortable launching into that as sort of an authority on podcasting because of what we've done with Podcast Motor. Um, I, I, you know, in my head, the only other thing I would I would do or say is to say, you know, running a software company it offers a lot better margin, I think, and, and a lot of ability to to scale exponentially. But it's one, it's not really me. I mean, I've never managed software before. So while I think in my head that would be cool, it's not really feasible um, with the skills and knowledge that I have. So, you know, running a podcast motor, running these two big sites and learning a lot about content marketing now and and just marketing in general to just to get traffic mm-hmm. will be a good learning experience. Um, and, and I think... You know, this is going into 2016 a little bit, but I think that's my my big goal for 2016 is kind of keep going with what I'm doing right now, um, and hopefully having some extra money at sometime in 2016 to to get into some sort of software, whether it's a one time or a SaaS type deal, uh, and and probably kind of consolidate my focus into that because uh, I do think it's the the next logical step for me because I'll, I'll learn. I'll learn kind of building a team with podcast model. I'll, I'll learn traffic and uh, content marketing with you know with my travel sites and and from that I think you know rounding it out with with some software and technology is kind of a logical progression. We were talking about you know stair stepping and mini stair stepping. I think those are decent stair steps because um, I think if I got into software right now, I would just be lost. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> So, and it, and it might be as, you know, as part of a team, you know, that might be where I fit best is to, to partner with a technical person. The more, the more I talk to people that are parts of teams, it's almost always, you know, a technical person and a marketing person. Yeah. Because there's so much to know and there's mm-hmm. so much to execute on, on both sides of the, of the aisle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you from doing both, um, from, in a, doing both in a mediocre fashion for so long it's uh you know it's really stressful to try to do both well and uh so yeah you know I, i've often thought it'd be great to find a uh, a uh, co-founder or partner that can handle front of house and i could handle the you know the the infrastructure and the software but uh you know we could meet in the middle where it comes to product ideology and product management but uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's a little further down the road yeah but yeah, yeah, I agree. It's uh, software's a thing. <laughs> it's you know, just from dealing with it, in my day job, and um, and I realize that's a services kind of a role rather than a uh, dedicated product team, like from a SaaS perspective or a mobile app or some kind of product that you're selling. Um, but it's it's a whole different kind of beast. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. I think it's understandable that the margins are so big in it because not many people can do it and it really does offer a lot of value yes um yeah a lot of people talk about a bubble or you know software bubble and software startup bubble um there are some inflated valuations out there but you know by and large you know especially SaaS apps the money you're paying per month you know um really compare it to how much value it's adding to your business right Mm -hmm. and that's the ultimate ultimate test and most of these apps hold up to that you know you look at this the pricing on hubspot or the pricing on salesforce or on some of these apps um it it, but look at how much money you either save or make in your business as a result of them and then it's it's perfectly sensible um you can't really really justify that that really is the rub though isn't it and i have to say if there was one thing that nags me about podcast motor it is it is very tough to say if I didn't do this podcast, I wouldn't make money in my business. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, these, these, I think like Carthook, Jordan's, Jordan Gall's Carthook mm-hmm. is a great example of like, 
he sends a report to people that says, I saved you this much money this month in, aban- in recovering abandoned carts. Like, you, I think, not you, we all should strive to do that with our business and say, I, I can tell you directly how much revenue I impacted in your business. Yeah, the more, you know, it's it gets back to the vitamin versus aspirin argument. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. the guys on Fizzle always characterize it, you know, it's it's more than an aspirin. It's, you know, imagine your customers have a hemorrhoid and it's urch- itching and burning. Mm-hmm. And it is the first and foremost thing <laughs> on their mind. And you, you sell hemorrhoid cream and it soothes and cools and it's exactly what they want and need and are willing to pay a lot of money for it in that moment. Um, that's the thing you want to find and build for, you know, some niche. Um, so yeah, you don't want to just be the, uh, multivitamin guy that you can yeah. take it or you're not, and you're not really sure if it's helping, but your wife says you should take it. You know, I kind of feel that way with mastermind jam. I'm, I'm selling the benefits of something that yeah, there's a lot of businesses in the world that have been very successful without the entrepreneurs behind it being part of a mastermind group, right? Yeah. So, um, and it's also really hard for me to point to results that, you know, they got as a, as a result of a mastermind group. Mm-hmm. There are some, you know, anecdotal case studies like Kurt Elster, hands down can tell you, I received these points of advice from my mastermind group. It has revolutionized my life. It has changed my life for the better. You know, and it's also changed the life of my wife because I passed that advice on to her. She's put it into practice. And now we both have businesses that, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah. But 98% of the people that are in mastermind groups can't point to something like that. While I hope to add value, to change that and to, to, to give people ways that they can track their goals, track their progress and really quantify the value. But the truth of the matter is it's not really an aspirin. It's not really a burning need that will make you money. Mm hmm. Um, so I don't know what the next thing is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. I think that's, it's essential. You know, it really is. Um, I don't know. Anyways. Well, yeah. I mean, my wife and I were just talking about this today. We have, um, you know, we're really getting down to being intentional with our decisions. It's like, you know, all the way from, you know, I can, you know, since we're recapping 2015, we had, you know, shortly after the Sherry Walling episode, my wife found out she was pregnant. And then about five or six weeks after that, she had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And so we dealt with that. We went through that process. And so now we're at the point where we're like, okay, that happened. Let's really be intentional about where we move forward from here. Do we need to have another kid? Do we want to have another kid? That's not always a logical decision. There is, you know, just kind of an innate desire there's that you know ticking clock there's that um you know the heart wants what the heart wants there's a religious thing that goes into it for some people you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people have that so we were talking about just where do we see ourselves a year five years ten years from now you know what is it that is stealing um life from us year after year we keep saying at the end of the year next year is going to be different i don't want this to happen but it it happens every year what is that thing that's recurring how do we get rid of it yeah you know you know the house we just built do we need this much house? Should we downsize? You know, all these questions. I mean, it was a pretty action-packed hour this morning. We were talking about this and, uh, it really comes down to just being intentional and making a decision. Yes or no. You know, do I schedule a vasectomy appointment or not? Do, do we need to buy the puppy or not? These, these mm-hmm. kinds of, of decisions. <laughs> um, you know, you got a, you got a puppy instead of a kid. Got a puppy. And yeah, you know, oh, by the way, since we get got married, I've been saying no to a puppy. I've been yeah. I've been refusing to even think about it. <laughs> but after, uh, you know, that was my moment of weakness. After we lost the baby, I saw this look in my wife's eyes. And she just, yeah. you know, there was like this need that I could not fill. And then suddenly she was like looking at puppies on Facebook. And there was like a litter of puppies. But she's like, oh, I don't want to get a hound dog, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly I saw a website open to Golden Doodles. And then I just didn't have the balls i didn't have the heart <laughs> to say no right just because uh-huh. there was like this need um so yeah that's how that happened it's weak <laughs> it's weak weak sauce oh man yeah no i think you're right on i, I, I think finding i don't want to say solving the solving the problems uh of your life or you know resolving the the nags is a really good way to sort of look at what's going on and what's good and what's bad and, and try to 
try to keep improving. I mean, it's just sort of analyzing your life and and doing like continuous improvement or whatever. It's that's nice. Yeah, you have to look in and say, how do I? How do we? You know, me and my wife, me and my loved ones, me and the circle of influence here, all the stakeholders in my life. That includes the kids. That includes the mother-in-law. That's inc- you know, how do we define success? Who who came up with that definition of success? Is this just something we grew up with because some school teacher said that you got to get this grade and get this job? Mm-hmm. And, or is it something we really sat down and put our heads together on because we have the freedom? You know, you're only you're only on this, you know, earth for a short amount of time, really. You have this freedom to do it your way, you know, within certain boundaries, right? You mm-hmm. can't go on killing sprees and things like that. <laughs> but in essence, you know, you don't have to go work at a, a factory. You can be a lawyer or you can start a business or you can, you know, what what does success look fi- like for you? What does wealth look like for you? You know, um, and we're, we were talking, my wife and I this morning, like, you know, you keep talking about how you're kind of stuck in a rut with your career. It wouldn't be great if you work for yourself. And she brought up that, you know, my dad's been saying he's been trying to sell his business for the last five years. You know, hell, let's just march over to the bank and get a loan and buy a business and do, you know, or some owner financing thing or something. What kind of business is it? Um, He makes hand, uh, you know, the sandblasted wooden signs that you see in like downtown areas. And um, Oh, yeah. So anytime you see a wood looking sign or wood grain sign, he does all those for, I mean, all across the country, he does them for huge name brands. Yeah. Um, it's just a little shop. Him and his son have run it for years. His son moved away and doesn't really want to inherit the business, doesn't want to do it anymore. His son wants to get in like furniture and some finer stuff. And so here he is with this huge wood shop and this huge ongoing business. There's also a wholesale side of the business that he gets a lot mm-hmm. of money from. Um, it's like a business in a handbag, right? And you could just... <laughs> buy it and keep keep it going or you could train some employees and and just administer it and let them do it um or you could close down the physical labor part of it and just keep up the wholesale business and i'm like and so that's what really triggered the discussion it's like she's like well why stop bitching about you know having to go to this day job why not well, we could just be in business for ourselves like you know next week is that what you want to do and i'm like ah shit you know now she just you know put the line in the sand <laughs> it's like she this, did she threw down on yeah, you yeah it's just she? like the shit or get off the pot it's like you keep yeah. saying you want to start a business you're struggling you know there's a business right there dude so do you really want to be in business yes or no and so then you have to think about does that fit does that align with my goals does it align with my values does it align with how i want to live my life yeah um so i don't know that's you know, these are obviously ongoing questions, right? But uh, that's where well, that we're would at. be super interesting, man. I mean, I, I think you could still, you, you could definitely buy that business and manage it, and still get your, you know, entrepreneurial online business rocks, right? Oh yeah. But the uh, difference yeah. is this: there's a there's a there's a shop, there's a there's a door with an hours sign on it, there's a counter with a cash register, yeah. and. But, but like you said, you don't have to be the guy at the register. You don't have to be the guy behind the counter. True. Um, True. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't edit any podcasts. I don't write any show notes. I don't, you know. Well, but the difference is you can go on Upwork and find people or Fiverr or wherever you found the people. Um, you know, the virtual staff finder and find people. Yeah. Me, with a local business, I got to look in the local market to find people or you know that fill this niche. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely still different. doable. It's, it's definitely different. different because you can't geo-arbitrage. But, I mean, most of our people are in the U.S., so it's really no different. Right. They're all in first-world countries. Right. So. But, I mean, it's like he's modernized the business, right? He used to do it all by hand, and now he's got a CNC router in the back. that mm-hmm. you know, Basically, he does the painting now by hand, but the rest is all CNC routered. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a really fancy plotter set up and he can do vinyl signs. He can do, you know, he can do all kinds of stuff in that shop. Personally, me, you know, back when I was 15, 16, that would have been a dream come true, right? Because I'm a really creative person. I love woodworking. I love getting my hands into it. That would have been a dream career. So now I've got to ask myself again, is that still me? Is that still something I could see myself doing? That is super interesting, man. So that's like... Anyway, that's like lurking over there, right? As I'm looking at Mastermind Jam and all the time I spend on it and how much time it takes me away from my family, right? He's home at five o'clock every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyway. Does he make a, does he, I mean, I, you know, not giving away the farm, but does he make uh, good money at it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could he, could he sell or finance it to you? 
I think so. Yeah. I, um, I've never broached the subject because I feel that once I broach that subject, there's no going back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. You definitely up. have to be committed to do it if he wants to. Yeah, because he's in his 60s and he's thinking about, you know, I enjoy because he he just does it now because he enjoys to right he's made enough he can retire but he just enjoys doing it mm-hmm. he he doesn't like sitting around he doesn't he's not a golf course kind of guy right yeah yeah um, he's not a vacation guy really he just like he enjoys going to the wood shop and creating he loves seeing that he's created stuff um, working with his hands right shit yeah man I'd buy that thing and make him like employee number one and. <laughs> serious i mean i would i i'm not saying you should but i know you make it sound so easy and me describing it sounds so easy and there there's an internal friction that i i i, I don't know what the holdup is i don't know why i'm not jumping at it yeah so i, I i'm anyway i'm just doing a little self-reflection on that yeah no that's uh, i mean I, I, that's very fair we have a we have a family business um my dad and his brother and, and it's horrible <laughs> it's horrible i would never buy it um, but we've thought about it, even though it's horrible. We've thought about it, um, just because it's. Well, you I say mean, yeah, horrible. You'd... How can it be horrible if your whole family is, is it like taxidermy or something? What? <laughs> <laughs> they own a mortuary. Oh. No, no, no I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> they no, they own uh, they own a, a a decent amount of rental property, and they issued uh, private mortgages. Uh, it was really my my grandma. Okay. And she passed away a few years ago, and they've kind of inherited it and run it. Um, but it's just, I mean, owning double-wide trailers and, you know, mortgages on $40,000 houses and all this kind of stuff where they're charging, like, 15% to these people that can't afford or can't get credit anywhere else. It's just, like, it's not what I want to do. Yeah. It's not what I want to do. Yeah. And I'd have to live in Orlando, which is a horrible place. So, yeah, that's that gets down to a values and a, and a really you know, vision of where you see yourself kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, but yeah, I mean, if, if you know, you're going to be there and it sounds like a pretty decent, decent, uh, business to run too. Well, it's definitely, you know, be your own boss. If you want to go on vacation, you that sign on the door, this is open. You flip it around to the other side. It says closed. <laughs> you yeah. put on your out of office responder. Um, you know, you let your wholesale clients know that, um, you're going to be out for a while, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe. Hey, you want to buy a business? <laughs> I'll just take like two points. That's all. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, you know, and so I think next year will be uh, next year will be really interesting, I and mean, I think it'll be uh, it'll be good to see uh, you know how the businesses grow, especially you know leading up to MicroConf, which we both kind of said is the the time where we're going to really start measuring some things. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting. We should really think about before our next episode, putting some parameters around that, you know, having kind of those sprint goals in the next three months are going to be this. Um, yeah. I think, I think that that would be nice to have a, a medium term accountability project. Right. And I know what mine would be. Mine would be building and launching the course. I think doing that in three months would be a, a perfect amount of time um, to to see that whole process. So yeah, I've got a. Are we are we moving on to our goals for 2016 here, or are we going to do that in a separate show? What do you think? Mm, yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, let's do that next week. We'll do one the week of New Year's. Okay. Yeah. You know, startups for the rest of us often have a. Um, just like a prediction show. So some of it will be kind of far-fetched. Some of it will be personal. You know, I predict the Patriots will win the Super Bowl, and I predict that I will have 10x my business, that kind of stuff. Um, and then all I the little predict, details. I predict Ken will either have another dog or another child. <laughs> Why must you curse me? <laughs> Why? Oh, do you predict Craig will live in the United States? Oh, that's the question. Ooh, that is a good question. Who fucking knows? I tell you, every time, I mean, it's amazing. Every time, it's very sad, but every time there's, you know, mass shooting in California or something, man, is like, look, we're just not coming back. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, after um, George W. Bush won the election, the re-election, was it Pierre Salinger? Just said, screw it. We're moving to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Just like picked up his family. He's like, I'm out. Done. Yeah. Um, yeah, that crosses my mind sometimes. Um, 
there's a lot of weird things going on in the world right now. And I wonder how much is, um, you know, the world's always been a turbulent place. We just have better news reporting now. Um, and we have this 24 hour news cycle that just you have to feed the beast. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everything gets sensationalized. So I, it's tough to like separate. Is the world really going to shit or is it, we're just, we're just knowing about it. Smell it better. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both, man. I mean, I, you never, and it's really the guns in school and the guns everywhere. It's, and I, I, I don't want to get political. Well, I am getting political, but it's just, it's amazing, you know? And I live in a pro gun area and it just blows my mind. How everybody just says we need more guns. If we had more guns, more you know people wouldn't shoot each other. I'm like, how fucking stupid are you yeah. to think that if there was more guns, less people would get shot? Yeah. You know. And and this is the rub, right? So the the pro gun people say we we deserve to to have guns, and it is a right, uh, you know, fundamental right of the United States. That is true. 200 years ago, when the best weapon a lot, you know, in the world well, was, the a muzzle gun, loader. was a gun, <laughs> then you needed a gun. Yeah. If you have a fucking gun, the best illegal black market gun you can buy is going to do dick compared to the SWAT team that runs through the door. Right? Oh, I totally agree. So, you having a gun doesn't mean you can protect yourself, doesn't mean you can rise up in rebellion against the government if they come for you. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to prevent terrorism or, or any of these fucking crazy ideas that people have about guns. I just... All it does is when someone has a bad day or a wild idea, gives them the opportunity to kill people. Yeah, I, 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 100%. I, didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to do that. Well, I, I agree with that. It's, you know, and also people pick and choose. Um, you know, they say, well, right to bear arms, right to bear arms. Well, let's, let's read all of the, the bill of rights, you know, let's, re- let's remember the part about a well-regulated militia, you know, yeah. it, it was, you needed a gun to be part of the militia. You needed a gun to, to hunt for your meat supply. There was no Piggly Wiggly or, you know, super Walmarts to go and get your ground beef pre-packaged. And, you know, there, there, there were some necessities you know, living on in the frontier land that most of the United States settlers were living in when they signed the, 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 the constitution. So it's, and, and also all of the other original amendments, many of them have been amended again and again, and again, or modified through further legislation. But somehow this is one that we're not allowed to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't have slaves anymore. <laughs> right you know right that is somehow you know we changed that right and it, it was okay because some of these things were fixed into a, a, a point of time of context right so if that if that same document was written today with f-14 uh, fighters that could fly over and drop bombs on you or you know nuclear missiles at the ready or submarines oh, yeah. or aircraft drone, carriers drones here i'm coming yeah. yeah just you know <laughs> black helicopters can come in and take you and your little um militia compound in the middle of iowa out you know i don't care how many you yeah. know bushmaster rifles you have laying around your ar-15 doesn't matter when there's a cruise missile coming at you yeah um so yeah, a lot of these things need to be looked at again. Uh, I think the Australians had it right. Um, and and, and the, this is coming from a guy. I've got a carry permit, by the way. Um, I don't own I don't own a handgun, but I have a carry permit here in Indiana. Um, if I were to get a gun, it would be a long rifle to go join hunting. But be, the reason I don't own a rifle or any kind of firearm in my house is because I have a kid that's almost three years old. I've got a kid that's six years old, a kid that's eight years old, and a kid right. that's ten years old. Right. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The last thing you need is your 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 son to walk and say, "Dad, what's this?" Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen him do it with a Nerf pistol. Yeah. Right. It's like there's no way. There's just no way. And uh, you, oh yeah, you should have this stuff locked away. And good training, you know, mitigates that kind of risk. And it's like, ah, oh, screw that. I sleep just fine at night with the baseball bat by the door. Yeah. <sighs> you started it, man. You started it. <laughs> Uh, but well, the, I mean, the, but that's really it. I mean, in between between you know the the, the violence and uh, I don't think that the government in general is is any better or worse than any other other government. Um, I don't know. You get the government you deserve. You get the government you elect. You know, I got a buddy. Yeah. He he says every election 
you know, people ask him, are you, you know, Republican, Democrat? He says, I'm anti-incumbent. I go and I vote for the guy who's never been in office before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, first of all, it shouldn't be a career. You know, Strom Thurmond was in office long enough that he had actually voted on legislation to keep slavery around and to keep Jim Crow laws intact. And <laughs> come full circle, he voted on laws to end it. You know, I mean, it's like, you shouldn't be able to spend five decades yep. in, in that job. Yep. Your your point of view might be a little skewed to yeah. just preserving your seat, you know. So anyway. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That is awesome. Cool. So we'll do uh we'll do uh you know, looking forward into sort of predictions for next year, uh next week then? Yes. Definitely. Sounds good. Forward looking statements. Yeah. Forward looking statements. I like it. I like it, man. Cool. All right. All right, buddy. Well, uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Have yes. a good, uh, Same good to rest you. of the week. And um, since I don't know where you live, you're not going to get a Christmas card. So Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll email you a picture of a, a pile of dog crap for my Sounds awesome. Sounds <laughs> awesome, buddy. All right, man. Have a good one. See ya. All right. Peace out. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Nights and Weekends podcast with Craig Hewitt and Ken Wallace. To stay up to date and learn more about balancing your family and your startup, visit www.nightsandweekendspodcast.com. We'll catch you next time.